Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Squawk 7000. Well, on Friday last, we flew into Waterford Airport for an event to recognise 20 years of CHC Ireland providing helicopter search and rescue services on behalf of the Irish Coast Guard out of Waterford. On the same day, winchman Sarah Courtney, the recipient of a 2021 National Bravery Award, was presented with the CHC Excellence Service Award by Eugene Clonan, Acting Director of the Irish Coast Guard. Winchman Sarah Courtney, Ronan Flanagan, Adrian O'Hara from CHC Waterford Base and Aaron Highland from CHC Shannon Base were awarded bravery certificates after they rescued seven crew members from the Ellie Ove. It lost power and was in grave danger of sinking 70 nautical miles west of Bantry Bay. The act of bravery, which occurred on March 27, 2021, also saw Sarah Courtney awarded a silver medal. Sarah made a very gracious speech as she accepted the award. Hello everybody and thanks for coming today. It's great to see everybody here together, all together in one room, especially when we all work together and don't get to meet each other in in these kind of circumstances quite often. Um, I'm very honoured to accept this presentation today on behalf of the Coast Guard and uh, our employer CHC and also on behalf of the crew. um, Adrian O'Hara was the winch operator on that day, Ronan Flanagan was the pilot and Captain Aaron Highland uh, the Very busy airport terminal after the presentation, Sarah explained how she found herself with the career of winchman. Uh, I worked in the ambulance service for 12 years. Uh, I was always interested in the helicopters and also interested in rescue. And combining the two of those in patient care and rescue uh, on the helicopter uh, was a bit of a pinnacle for me. So when the opportunity came up to apply for the recruitment process, I jumped at it and uh, worked hard to get through the recruitment process. Uh, trained with guys here in Waterford to be qualified as winchman and I've been working on the helicopter now for three years here at Waterford Airport. Our previous episode was on women in aviation and one of the common themes that all the women said was they didn't want to be novelties anymore. They wanted to be just seen as active crew. you share that idea? Absolutely. Uh, I feel in this country we're very, we're very 
very fortunate with the the way that living is in Ireland and I never felt in all of the male dominated environments that I've been in that I've ever been discriminated for being a female and no different coming into this environment uh, I was treated exactly the same as everyone else and I feel that is how it should be there should be no differentiation between whether you're a man woman or or anything else that anyone identifies with sure. uh, it's just about the person and your capabilities and doing the job and that's all that that matters for the lay person talking to somebody who's involved in something that has an element of bravery in it they're often curious to know what your your thought process is and how does your brain work and does it work at normal speed and, and what are you thinking about as you as you're heading over towards that boat with seven people on it? You're very focused when you're on a mission like that. We train a lot. When we're not doing missions and we're on shift, then we're out training for these circumstances. So your training really kicks into gear. Uh, obviously, they're high-stress environments, and our training prepares us for that by having sequences and procedures that we follow. Uh, you're very focused. You're very aware of the situation and your situational awareness and everything that's going on around you. Your feelings really don't come into it uh, because you've just got to you've got to deal with the job at hand when you get back that cup of tea must be very welcome (laughs) (laughs) absolutely and you know there's nothing more rewarding than being able to rescue somebody and all of our main aims when we go out on a tasking or on any flight um, as indeed it is for anybody is that you achieve a good outcome if possible and uh, that everybody it's done safely and everybody's safe and there's minimal injury occurred so uh, there's huge uh, satisfaction and there's huge relief also that everybody uh, was able to leave that vessel. Finally for any young man or young woman listening to to this particular episode what would your encouragement be to follow your footsteps? I think it's important to look out for what interests you and what you're passionate about and if you're interested and passionate about something then it's not as difficult to get there and nothing worth while is ever easy. You don't uh, get to decide that uh, the helicopter looks cool and you'd like to work on that tomorrow. It takes a lot of hard work and dedication, but if it's something that you enjoy, then it won't be difficult at all. Congratulations. Thank you very much. Rob Tatton is the Accountable Manager for CHC in Ireland and he outlined the history of CHC in Waterford and Rescue 117. Well, we've been here 20 years um, and uh, this base is one of our four bases, um, Dublin, Sligo, Shannon and Waterford. And we have a huge amount of experience down here built up over the years. And what I'd say to people is when they often see the Coast Guard helicopter out flying, it's not necessarily on a search and rescue mission. Um, It is on a training mission. The majority of the the flights that we do are training. And that ensures that the skills that have been built up over 20 years by the Mm. crew is kept proficient and current. And when they need to go and complete a rescue that they're able to do, it successfully and safely more importantly and we're also here today to uh, give an award to winchman Sarah Courtney who lifted seven fishermen on the 27th of March 2021 uh, off a vessel that was sinking Um, and it was a successful rescue and it was conducted safely and again that goes back to the training that we do here at CHC. Uh, We flew in here ourselves today for the podcast as we were coming in you could see Hookhead and Crookhead and it really is a strategic location for you guys isn't it for the for the for the Irish Sea 
and, and the George's Channel. Yes, it's it, it's as I was saying, we have four bases. It's busy down here as well, and the coast that they cover down here. And funny enough, it's uh, it's getting busier because of Brexit. Mm. There's more marine traffic coming out of um, uh, Rosslare, um, going directly to Europe, and we can see it slightly reducing in Dublin, and that increase comes into Waterford. Mm. So we're definitely getting busier since I've been with the company uh, nearly three years now, and it's, de- it's definitely getting. You can see it getting busier over the the, the, the last three years, particularly in the summer when we have the holiday makers. And you're going to introduce us to a couple of the crew, and we're going to find out about, I suppose, what day-to-day operations here in Waterford. Yes, we're we're going to introduce you to Mark Callahan. He's one of our SAR captains. Uh, Neville Murphy, who did one of the podcasts with, with uh, myself before on uh, Squawk Seven Thousand, and we have Neil McAdam, who's been here twenty years. So he's been here from day one, and he's helped pull all of this together today with Mark a very special event. 20 years. Now, I did have a little break. I went back to Dublin for two years, but then I came back. Uh, Waterford is now home for me. And the one thing about the bases, and we've been talking to, to you know the various different people who are in the different bases, is they all have their own, their own personality. What's the personality of Waterford and the kind of stuff you do? I think we have a great um, relationship with the local community. I think the local community very much see um, 117 as their rescue helicopter. I think that's unique uh, to the rest of the country. And absolutely, we're their rescue helicopter. And they want to give us a bell. We're more than happy to, 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 to go out there and do what we have to do for them. Bring me back 20 years, and then we'll work our way to where we are today. How has the profile of the work changed, or has it changed? Uh, it got busier. And I think because we're here so long, people are aware of us uh, in the early days they weren't aware and there was a rumour going around in the early days that it cost five grand to call us out <laughs> so people were reluctant to call us out so we had to work very hard to uh, expel that rumour and, and make, make people aware that that wasn't the, 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 the case and that if they called us out there was no problem fucking good <laughs> <laughs> they're all arriving here behind yeah, us as yeah. well Ed, for the event um, and yeah, as I was saying to you the you know the, in the early days you might have been doing a particular kind of work is it getting busier? it's getting busier because there's more people Obviously, with the pandemic, we had the staycationers who a lot of people got themselves into trouble. Yeah. A lot of people went into the war that normally wouldn't. Yeah. From from my own experience, uh, thank God, no, there was no fatalities yeah. that I experienced, but um, there were some around the country, unfortunately. People went hill walking as well, and uh, you know they weren't wearing very sensible shoes and breaking ankles and stuff. But around that, um, you, you do the, the normal run of stuff, like fishermen injured, that type of thing, and uh, air ambulance, and the other one over to London and back. How did you get into this? I always wanted to be a soldier, so I joined the army. And when I joined the army, they transferred me to the air corps. And I was in the air corps seeing these guys walk around in funny, funny suits. <laughs> so I made an inquiry. I said, "Who are these guys?" And they said, the "Cook said to me, they're the search and rescue crew." So I said, "I want that. Yeah. I'm going to do that." So um, I done my search and rescue course in 1989. It's gone back quite a ways, and thank God passed it. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, joined the Dublin base in 2000 and came down here in 2002. And what is the work that you specifically do on the helicopter then when it goes out on a call? Well, I'm a winchman, winch operator, so primarily, primarily a winch operator at the moment, so we would uh, lower the winchman 
and give him whatever equipment he needs. He'll do the rescue, whether it be on a boat or uh, taking somebody out of water. And once he's happy, he'll winch him back up, get back into the aircraft safely. What control do you have over the helicopter at that point? Are you are you doing it verbally, or do you have? And what input can you make as yeah, to well, where the helicopter positions yeah, itself? Yeah, it's variable. It, it, mm. For the most part, it's variable. So the pilot can't see directly under him. Mm. So he's following my patter, is what yeah. it's called. So the, the, the language we use on board. And if I say go forward three and right, the helicopter will go forward three and right. If we say go back, it will go back. But the, that's the pilot responded to my power. Mm. We also have um, a, a crew hover um, that I can actually take control of the aircraft with. It's limited, but it's it's the so to get you into tighter spots that, that you wouldn't normally go into and because the pilot can't see it I might actually be able to go it a, a little bit more precise than he could. What's the connection between you then and the person who's on the wire? He or she is the winchman mm. now. They are attached to the helicopter through the cable. So basically they're really putting their lives in their hands. Mm. Um, so because I'm the winch operator, I'm standing at the door so I can see them at all times. So it would be my decision whether to put them on the bow or say, mm, it's getting a bit hairy and not put them on the bow. Mm. Uh, but they're really putting their safety into our, into our hands. So really, there's a lot of trust there. So, but there's also a lot of training. You, you do okay. a lot of practice. I, I'm imagining some, for example, coming up to something like a trawler with you know aerials and radars and all the bits and pieces on it. That, that's when you're focused. You're very focused. You're also, it's, weather conditions are the, the big thing there because a, a small fishing boat will move mo- will move quickly on the, on the water. It will roll and it will pitch. And it's the pitch going up and down is the problem. If you get your timing wrong as the winch operator, the winch one will get hurt. It will meet yeah. him and it will hit, hit him or her. Yeah. So what you've got to do is most boats have, they have a rhythm. The sea has a rhythm. So you, you observe the boat, figure out what's rhythm, and when it settles, mm. that's when you put the winchman on the deck. Mm. So it's, it's timing's everything. In the 20 years, any particular memorable experiences that you've had? The first rescue we ever did down here as Rescue 117 it was, it was on the 11th of May uh, 2002, and it was a guy who was literally hanging by his fingernails off a cliff down on Bunmahan. And what was really... What stands out for me on that one was that, that he just got a bit too close. He fell, but his wife and six-year-old child were standing there watching it. Yeah. And uh, it was one of those rescues where if I was the winchman on that one, had I have hit him or bumped off him the wrong way, I could have, he, he could have fallen. So it had to be really precise. And um, thank God we were able to get him and, and bring him home to his, his wife and child. Finally, I suppose, let's talk about today. I believe you have been the man behind putting all of the events together. And you've kept yourself busy with it too. It's been pretty busy. So, um, but we had lots of help, in yeah. fairness, and uh, Aidan Power, the airport manager here, has been great help, and our own guys have been fantastic. So, uh, me being the guy to pull it together, not really. There was plenty of us involved. Barry O'Connor has been one of the pilots at the base in Waterford for the past 20 years. Barry explained more about the helicopter Rescue 117. Okay, we're using a Sikorsky S92, an American-built aircraft. It replaced the Sikorsky S61, which I flew before that. Um, it's, it's like a, just a big improvement on the S61. The S61 was a great aircraft, uh, but it was just starting to show its age. Uh, so along came the S92. And it's far more, it's just far more efficient. It's faster. It can lift more. Uh, it's a twin engine aircraft. We have a small little APU as well, which we use to start the engines, uh, which is very useful also when we're, we're landing say in fields. We can basically shut down the engines if we're bringing a casualty in and out on the, the ramp, but we can leave the APU running for again, for, for quick startup. For if we get a second shout, for example, or we're bringing the casualty to hospital. Tell us a little bit more about that. The idea of 
of being in a state of readiness and what a typical shift is like when you arrive to, to, to the time you spend and how you're ready to go? Okay, sure. Well, the, the, the shift starts officially at uh, 1300 hours. Uh, generally speaking, uh, you're, you're in by kind of 1230 to relieve your opposite number. So your opposite number will tell you what they did on the shift before. If there's any issues with the aircraft, any snags that there may be, uh, you may have kind of a, a, a tasking that day. When I say a tasking, it might be like a Coast Guard exercise. We're working with all the grand teams, which, which we work with regularly and, and it's great to work with them. Uh, or even other events like maybe a school visit or something like that. So generally speaking, you're ready to go. Uh, also the weather. So you come in, we do the weather, we do the planning. So effectively by 1300, we're ready to go. Uh, and then we're um, on a 15 minute radius up to 9pm. Now, we're near the end of May here now. So coming the 1st of June, we'll actually change the ch- timings for the three wi- uh, summer months, I should say. So for June, July and August, we'll actually go to 10 p.m. on 15 minutes readiness and we'll be back in for 8.30 whereas normally we'll be back in for 7.30 and during the uh, the, the hours of standby time after uh, during the the night time uh, we're at 45 minutes so generally speaking if you live within 20 minutes of the base we'll be in uh, if we get a call out and what happens normally is the duty captain will get the call and he will basically approve the the shout or whatever and describe that 15 minutes for us as to what what happens a message comes from a central location and you're ready to go yeah look we have a, a dedicated scramble phone um, so that, that rings and, and basically that, that also ring in the hangar so the engineers are, are, are listening straight away so if the aircraft is not already out it'll be, it'll be taken out um, depending on the, the where we're going we have a, a standard fuel of about two and a half hours so I will either ask the engineers for more fuel if it's a, if it's a further away job or I think it's going to take a little bit more time or our standard fuel uh, we'll also have a quick look at the weather uh, particularly if it's a, a poor day to give us any alternates in case we can come back to Waterford uh, and, and the shout itself may mean that we're, we're going to Dublin or we're going to Shannon or we're going to Cork. Um, so in that 15 minutes we're, we're, it's, it's very, very active. We're also changing possibly from our, our, our daytime kind of flight suit possibly into a merchant suit depending on the time of the year. Because we're here on, in, on the coast there's a very strong chance you could be going out over the sea. Oh yeah, oh, very much so. So we have a merchant suit um, which obviously you can't wear you know, on, a, on a normal basis shall we say. So it takes a couple of minutes to get into that. Uh, and then obviously once we're in that, normally what happens is that the duty co-pilot of the day will go out to the aircraft and he'll get the aircraft started up and supervise any extra fuel that we might be getting while the captain is having a conversation with the duty uh, winch up to say right this is the plan are we happy with the plan this is where we're going are we happy with the weather and the, the two of us in effect kind of say yeah look this, we're, ha- we're happy to go and, and, and where we go typically how many casualties can you assist uh, well the, we've one stretcher so primarily there's, there's one stretcher but look if it's if it's a mass casualty incident uh, let's say for example there's a, a vessel sinking you know you're, you're going to take as many as necessary on board obviously we recently rescued seven people there, uh, the Eliov, uh, quite recently. Um, if, if, if required, you can kind of fill them. But certainly, if they're stretcher-related or spinal-related, then we're a bit more restricted in space. But yeah. Talk about uh, the uh, idea of CRM. People are always interested in crew resource management. How do you keep the whole crew involved in that process? Uh, well, we have a briefing every day. Uh, so at quarter past one, the, the six crew will get together, so including the two engineers and that as well. Uh, and we, we set out a plan for the next. 24 hours. Uh, it might be a case of as I said, we might have an exercise already pre-booked or we might, if we don't, we'll, we'll plan a training flight. So we have various currencies that people will, will need to, to keep current. Um, so somebody might say well, look, I, I need to do some decks or I need to do some cliffs or whatever. So we have, we have a, a good chat in that respect. And part, part of that briefing is the case, is also, you know, is everybody kind of ready for the shift? Is, you know, everybody kind of, is it just start of a run of shifts? Is the end of a run of shifts? All that sort of thing is taken into account. We headed out to Rescue 117 where winchman Neville Murphy gave us a tour inside. 
Today's a special day, obviously 20 years down the road, uh, hard to believe that time went so fast and uh, you know we've been here for that time and integrated into the community as well I think is very particular, you know a lot of our work here in Waterford Airport and they've been a huge support to us throughout those 20 years as well you know, uh, I mean literally you can see here in the backdrop is, is the Comer Mountains, you know a couple of minutes flight time away, uh, Tremor Beach is just down the road there so we're, we're over water within minutes of, of this place as well. So, you know, we've we've kind of everything on our doorstep really here and it's a, it's a, it's a perfect spot for SAR. Now, are you, you're part of the active crew today. You're already in the gear. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I just came on shift in, in, in the middle of today. So we, we took over. We're on for 24 hours now. So uh, we'll just, we're all set up. We're actually going on a training flight uh, about four o'clock this afternoon. So, you know, the, the, we celebrate, but, you know, the work continues and uh, hopefully it'll stay quiet today. The helicopter were on and uh, the, uh, we should explain because people won't be able to see is the, the back ramp is open. Talk to me about the actual facilities and how this is helpful. Yeah, the SNL2 is a, is a beautiful platform. As you can see, we're standing inside it. And, you know, for ourselves in the back in particular, we've two paramedics normally in the back of the aircraft. For us to be able to walk around and you can see the stretcher station here as well you know we can we can stand over it we can treat the people with the medical equipment mounted up in a, a, um, a shelf here for it and this ramp here as you see in the back it, it, the, the ramp lowers down and the door comes up so we can literally walk a stretcher in and walk a stretcher out so for particular like the hems uh, air ambulance kind of side of things it's really beneficial for that as well as you know if we have the stretcher a patient we can uh, get into the hospital and, and exit the aircraft pretty lively you know if, if, if needs be We hear medical people talk about a, a golden hour or a, a sort of a window of opportunity. How much does what's in this in this helicopter in this space here help? Yeah, it's it's huge. I mean, literally, it's a, it's a flying ambulance, you know. And and the crew in the back are, are trained as well. Uh, we have advanced paramedics and paramedics in the back, so the treatment is is at the, the upper level uh, from from the from that side of things, you know. So it's it's fantastic aircraft, loads of space inside in it, and absolutely ideal for that work. How did you get into this? Many moons ago, I was I was in the military. Uh, the Irish Army and I transferred up to the Irish Air, Air Corps uh, flew in Alouettes for a while and, and Dauphins and, uh, for a couple of years and then progressed onto the uh, with the Irish Coast Guard into the and CHC uh, onto the 61 and now the 92 you know, Memories of the 61 did you like it? She was like the old workhorse, to be honest, you know, and uh, I suppose that's the only way I describe it. And this is like the Porsche, uh, mm-hmm. and that's the that's the real. It's new technology. I mean, the the mission station we have in back for the winch crew with the with the floor and integrated mapping system with the front uh, two pilots in the front. So we've uh, it's really the the uh, crew concept front and back is is huge in this aircraft, and, and and it facilitates that with the technology on board. I wish you a quiet shift, and thanks for chatting to us. Thanks very much. No bother. <laughs> Marco Callahan was the duty pilot on Friday last and he had just come on duty. Marco Callahan, we're here beside the helicopter and you're already for action right this minute. Yeah, we just uh, came on shift at 1300 today um, and that shift period uh, continues for 24 hours so we'll be off going at 1300 tomorrow. Tell me about the helicopter, what it's like to fly. Uh, it's uh, an incredible bit of kit. It's uh, probably one of the newest um, S92s uh, SAR-wise that we have. Um, $50 million worth um, the technology, albeit a little bit old, it's still a very, very capable aircraft. Um, 
obviously we have uh, dual engines, dual hoist for redundancy um, and a special, specially prepared medical station at the back which is a slight, differs slightly from the other aircraft uh, from around the country but the guys uh, in the back very, very much enjoy it. It's a great machine. What's the nature of the work that happens here out at Waterford? Uh, Waterford is, well, is, is kind of, I wouldn't say it's unique but we do get a nice broad spectrum of jobs um, because we have the Cumber Mountains quite close by so we get up to the mountains quite a bit. Uh, we also have a lot of inshore calls as well and um, we do a lot of river searches, people searches, stuff like that and obviously we do the maritime element as well offshore. Yeah. I believe there's something on the front of the helicopter that the guys were telling me about, this forward facing infrared. Correct, yeah, so that's one of the main bits of kit that we have for navigating, well it helps us with navigation but also for the guys in the back to pick out people in the water, to identify targets uh, and we use it through all phases of flight so it's a very, very important bit of kit for us. How do you find a person or a small boat or a life raft in a, in a sea? Initially if a call was to come in from MRCC if we were lucky enough to have a rough location uh, of where the incident is, that does help it kind of narrows it down and then another thing is like if people themselves kind of have uh, personal locator beacons on board, that's uh, that's even a, a bigger help as well, so we'd always encourage people if they are out in the water to uh, be, be well equipped when you're out in the water so we'd get an initial call um, a rough position of where the person would be and we'd literally, we would just go out, initially we would start to search uh, just looking out the window um, and then this is where the FLIR then really comes into its own because it can scan a massive area very very quickly and what it works off is heat signature so it's able to pick up heat signature very very quickly and there's a excellent uh, definition and clarity in the screen so that's one of the main things that we would use to pick up people at sea. Finally how did you end up in this position? I started flying back in well I was, I was still in university at the stage and I was doing my private pilot's licence um, finished university uh, worked for about a year decided I wanted to do the flying full time so then I went to America trained there for two years I came back then and I actually started to work for CHC over in Aberdeen flying to the oil rigs for about five years on the S92 and then transferred to CHC Ireland to fly in the SAR contract for the Irish Coast Guard so I've been here about five years now What's today look like for you and the expectation that you don't get an actual call out what, what would be the plans? Barring a call we're just going to do a planning a training sortie later on um, so we'll probably lift at maybe about three or four o'clock and we generally try to get up for about two hours of training every shift so we'll um, we'll just see see what's around if there's a if there's a boat offshore that's uh, willing to do some winching we might do that we might go into the mountains we can go wherever it's a, it's a great position to be in so it's not just sitting having a cup of tea for the day no 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 that, that'll come later <laughs> Mark O'Callan thanks for chatting to us no problem thanks very much well stay with us on this episode coming up in part two we talk with the airport manager at Waterford Aidan Power about the future of this essential regional airport Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. 
So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. You're listening to Squawk 7000, Ireland's aviation podcast. We're in Waterford Airport celebrating 20 years of CHC and Rescue 117 at the base here. And while we're here, we're also catching up too on the airport itself and its manager, Aidan Power. Hi, uh, Aidan Power here, the airport manager uh, for Waterford Airport. Uh, delighted you can be here today. A real pleasure, actually. And as we mentioned earlier, we had the pleasure of flying into the airport too. And actually quite busy. There was a fair amount of traffic coming in as well. The story of Waterford right now, and then we'll go back and talk about where it's come from and maybe where it's going to. But what's happening here right now? Right now, we've got obviously CHC are based here for the and rescue for Irish Coast Guard, which is uh, something that uh, we're very proud of over the years. Uh, obviously, today, 20 years uh, anniversary. And we've got quite a bit of GA activity as well. We've got uh, the Aero Club doing pilot training. You've got uh, after do pilot training. Uh, I suppose we've always been associated, now that I say it, with pilot training for many, many years. Uh, I think probably about four pilot training schools over the years, uh, back from the Iona days and uh, and all those uh, have been based here mm. and uh, so it's GA has always been part and parcel of what we do here and we've got executive aircraft coming in going out as well it's an eclectic mix of uh, you never quite know uh, what's going to turn up on any particular day from you know a Gulfstream to uh, an unusual general aviation aircraft um, so yeah it can be quite interesting helicopter ops as well mm. so there's uh, and you can get unusual activities for periods of time like geographical surveying maritime survey that sort of stuff so um, what tends to happen is uh, a group who may have heard of Waterford Airport or have tried this before if something fits they tend to come back to you Uh, a regional airport like this can be a good fit for some Mm. operations Mm. uh, of that nature because it is actually it's a snapshot of of an international airport you you have all the experience all the nav aids the air traffic control and even, dare I say, on your on Sky Demon, which is used by pilots for navigation, your ratings are extremely high in terms of friendliness. So all of that's in place. But I suppose people would also be curious to know about commercial flights in and out of this particular region. That must be a challenge for you as the as the airport manager to have that on your agenda. Sure. 
Well, look, we've been doing uh, scheduled flights from the from the eighties. Uh, obviously, famous Ryanair started. Early Warford. days of Ryanair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, back in the Bandarante days, and then moved on to the seven four eight and the ATRs and mm. and so on. So they were interesting days for sure to be part of it. Uh, I started in the business in eighty eight when Ryanair were here uh, as uh, part of the airport operations side. So uh, a full I've been involved in the full gambit of of operations, yeah. and yeah, scheduled services have run. We had Air Iron here, British Regional Airways, uh, Flybe was very successful here as well. I suppose we kind of went through uh, a very good phase in in the 90s, was very strong, uh, 2000s as well. When Air Iron were here, um, probably the London route was one of their best routes on, on all of their networks. It was it was that strong. And, and VLM were the final uh, airline to finish up here in 2016. So the general uh, I suppose the way that's developed is it's difficult to compete really when you've got um, 50 seater or 60 seater turboprop yeah. competing in today's terms with um, a jet runway where there's 180 seats and with the best will in the world <coughs> even though we would have had very high load factors for the like of uh, Flybe on a, mm. a Dash 8 and at times for the Birmingham route it would have been up in the high 80s mm. uh, 90% the price point is a very difficult proposition and you can sell a place like Waterford Airport or any of the other regions really on a convenience factor and there's always that kind of line where uh, people are happy to pay uh, what they would see is you know some extra uh, cost and that's basically because the seat price if you've got 50 people as opposed to 180 people or 60 people according to, as opposed to 180 people obviously the price point is going to be higher and so people are happy to pay a certain amount and there's a comfort zone in that but there is a limit to that as well and uh, and, and therein is the challenge uh, well, what the growth of seems to be the way you describe it there is the business aircraft so I yeah. mean you have the infrastructure here um, and people People can actually use this as an entry point into the country from uh, from their executive aircraft. Yeah, we get quite a few uh, executive aircraft, everything, quite a, a gambit of, of aircraft type actually, um, from people who have residencies in the southeast to the businesses, the pharmaceuticals and others. Um, because in, in essence, for the south, particularly in Waterford, there's no real headquarters here. So anybody who wants to expand, any of the businesses who are here are looking at expanding, they need to get a, a European or a world CEO into the country. It's not a great proposition to fly them into Dublin and do a two and, and a half. drive them down, yeah, exactly. They, yeah. It's yeah. very difficult yeah. for them. Yeah. So flying into Waterford is, and they're 15 minutes into the city or into their business or half an hour, it's, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a real winner for them. Thankfully, the airport road was developed. Uh, the old road was quite uh, something. Um, and when they put the new infrastructure in, you've got the business park next door, which is independent of us, but you know, I think it really helped uh, the whole strategy of trying to develop the airport. And in fairness to the county council, uh, city and county council, which is one now, um, they are very pro airport, uh, Wexford as well, and Kilkenny. So part of what we're trying to do at the moment is, obviously we've made a, a planning application for a runway extension that has been successful. A mm. uh, bit longer than we would have liked. It has taken probably two years between the planning and, and CPOs, etc. So we've been successful 
successful with that uh, for the first time. We've probably looked at runway extensions since the 90s, but it didn't happen for various reasons. And we're trying to put together an investment uh, proposition for expanding the runway uh, lengthwise and widening it to, uh, we'll call it regional jet status. So you can now get into mainstream 77 Airbus 320 kind of status. And along with that, obviously, the business aircraft as well. Those ones that are might be a little bit shy of landing on a shorter runway, we're used to kind of 2,000 metres plus runway, uh, it opens it up to that as well. Finally, uh, we have general aviation pilots listening to this podcast. What's your message to them if they're going flying this summer? Well, certainly give us a try. Uh, I think we've always had a, a very good attitude towards general aviation. I, I, not to be too put off by the idea of air traffic control or ATC space. Uh, the controllers here are have been here for many, many years, used to a general aviation community and, you know, are very happy to talk people through the process. And, and we would, we had to kind of stop it, I suppose, for the COVID uh, yes, the yeah. process, but we used to actually encourage pilots to come up to the control tower when there was time available to do it and let them see what it's like from an air traffic controller's perspective. I did ATC for about 10 years. Uh, it's part of my uh, growth over the years. So, you know, we're very aware of what the pilot's view of life is and it's nice if the if the controllers could see it from or sorry the pilot can see it from the controller's yeah. perspective as well not to be put off by ATC or the process of control airspace it's it is here it is here to stay unfortunately for, for GA pilots I know yeah. uh, many kind of uh, uh, lament the old, you know class G lots of class G yeah. around yeah. but um, I suppose you know it's inevitable that uh, more control airspace was going to come in but I wouldn't you know certainly give give it a go and uh, always make the phone call first if you can get the controller at the other end of the phone it's always good especially if you're a first time flyer into that particular aerodrome they'll they'll cop onto that very quickly and, and you know you'll get a good rapport and it's always a good thing from my perspective and that's our episode congratulations again to the crews of Rescue 117 and also to Winchman Sarah Courtney the recipient of the 2021 National Bravery Awards I'm off to file a flight plan we'll talk to you again soon Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Are you ready for truly hydrated skin? Meet Hyaluronic Body Serum, a breakthrough in body care from Osea. It's clinically proven to instantly increase hydration by 161%. Their lightweight, fast-absorbing serum delivers 24 hours of nonstop hydration for silky, smooth skin without the sticky afterfeel. Osea's latest innovation combines the magic of their best-selling Hyaluronic Sea Serum with a new formula that's good for the whole body and five types of hyaluronic acid to target every layer of the skin. 
Osea is a women-founded, women-led brand that's been crafting seaweed-powered products for nearly 30 years. The best part? Everything Osea makes is clean, vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified, so you never have to choose between your values and your best skin. Treat your skin to clean, vegan skincare from Osea. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with code SUMMER at oseamalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A-Malibu.com code SUMMER.